Howdy, everybody. Welcome to the show. I am doing my first ever Reddit AMA with my good friend Peter McGraw, so I thought I'd have him on the show to talk about what we've been up to over the last year. And uh, this AMA that we're doing on April 2nd at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Why would I say it with that kind of emphasis? Eastern. So you'd remember. That's why. And uh, my first Reddit, I'm, I'm not a regular Reddit user, but I have a ton of uh, like super smart friends that seem to spend a fair amount of time on Reddit and like it and say a lot of great things. And uh, I know that it's a, a pretty good place for, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of uh, a more like kind of an intellectual audience on, on Reddit and, uh, and a lot of comedy fans on there as well and if if you've if you know me enough you'll know old man moss didn't really mess around with social media that much or care much for it before this uh this new world the covid mixed everything up and up is down and down is up and i'm exploring all of these new uh outlets for uh, for creativity and for expression, and I'm digging it. And, uh, and you know, some of it, uh, I would say mostly healthy. You, I've I've dialed my Twitter use way back. I'm unhealthy with Twitter, guys. You got to know yourself a little bit. And uh, but we've been we started up accounts for for here we are and have been or started using them more actively on Instagram and Twitter and everything to plug and do highlights and all of that good stuff. And so this uh, this Reddit AMA is my first of, uh, of of a few that I have planned. So this is April second at four Eastern Standard Time. This shtick to business. Uh, AMA joined by my friend Pete who you're going to hear in a second and then on April 16th I'm getting together the director and producer of Psychonautics to do an AMA about that and then we're figuring out the best time for um, my new podcast Mind Under Matter with Ramin Nazer. We're probably going to let that that's launching April 5th and we're probably going to let that um, kind of get some episodes out there and and uh, and uh, have everything kind of ironed out a little bit and hopefully get a little bit of traction um, with it and maybe do an AMA then and as well as a bunch of other uh, promotional stuff so I've been kind of holding out for for something um, to have another a uh, little something to push and and this new podcast that I'm doing is a perfect complimentary addition to here we are uh, I have the science podcast now I get to have a comedy podcast as well and so this is also thanks in part to all of your support on patreon where I just did a focus group last week and uh, got some cool uh, tips and advice and so doing some more stuff on there so one of the things that came up is sometimes we're having a conversation the conversation you're going to hear today is is uh pretty light and fun and loose good friend of mine and uh and we got, don't get super deep into uh into 
um, science subjects, but sometimes I'm having a conversation with someone about something like embodied cognition or something, some relatively like complicated and mind-blowing subject, but I've talked about it on the show before. We're just like in a rhythm of talking and we kind of mention something in passing to get to a, a bigger point and maybe go, what was that that they just mentioned? And, uh, and um, so sometimes if something like goes over your head, you think we didn't explain something clearly, I want to add something on Patreon where you can go on, mention it on Patreon or in the Discord channel where we have a nice community of folks uh, in there and various categories and stuff of topics that you can have conversations with awesome, smart, here we are listeners about. And uh, and I'll, I'll start making some kind of solo videos expanding on, uh, that, on, on some things that you, th you think maybe were rushed or unclear during these episodes. So if you keep that in mind when watching shows from now on, if you uh, uh, that would be awesome and just uh, keep on trying to experiment and figure out new ways to add a little more value to adding bonus content and stuff on on Patreon, having more community meetups, been having a bunch of Zooms with uh, Patreon people and board game nights and stuff and it's been it's been super fun actually and it, it scratches that itch i usually get to meet people after shows and and travel around and meet people from all over the place you know and different personalities and so it's it's pretty cool to get to do that so check that out but otherwise this ama is a, a, a fun kind of important thing for me just because it's my first one so if you happen to be on on uh, reddit and you're a fan uh, check out shanemoss.com which hopefully by the time you're listening to this the the reddit link and calendar link and everything will have been approved and cleared and all that good stuff that comes along with learning a new platform and um and sign up for that and uh and check out pete's book stick to business uh if you'd like and you'll have uh, even better questions for us ahead of time enjoy today's episode are we yes where are we here why are we here? Not entirely clear. We are misfits thrust into existence by random chance with no hints at all as to how we're supposed to make sense of it all. It's immensely bizarre. Here we are. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Here We Are podcast. That's my new intro voice that I'm trying out to introduce <laughs> my, my very good, one of my bestest buddies in the whole wide world, a return guest, uh, uh, Peter McGraw. Is I was about to give you an intro, and then I was like, what is he anymore? I'm too You're many things now. You're so many things. Yeah. But you, uh, so the audience, um, if any of you, here we are. We never came up with a name. <laughs> um, uh, uh, you, Pete was one of the first guests way back then. We were friends even before this. Uh, and I would have introduced you as uh, introduced him to you as a business professor who had gotten into humor research, and and that's how we met. I was at the same kind of time I was getting into 
trying to integrate science into comedy and uh, reaching out to academics and stuff. We kind of got paired together, and he had a book called The Humor Code um, that uh, had... Uh, some really interesting ideas about comedy. One of the most important ones is this idea of the benign violation theory where things are either too benign or too much of a violation to be funny. And that sweet spot right in the middle is uh, what you're trying to hit with a with a given joke. And that's the gist of it. We talk a bunch of, about that in the very first episode, I'm sure. And he's been on multiple times since the last time he was on was about a year ago. It was right toward the start of the pandemic. It was in April. And he and I had just finished a, pro- a project. It's his project, but he brought me along for the ride as well. He wrote a book called Stick to Business, What the Masters of Comedy Can Teach You About Breaking Rules, Being Fearless, and Building a Serious Career. So this is a book that, uh, if you listen back, we um, we kind of discuss not how to be funny, but taking lessons from what comedians have to do business lessons that we have to do in terms of say being in a writing room and workshopping jokes what makes the mechanics that make a joke work can be applied to marketing techniques or or um, in innovating new products or just seeing the world through a different lens that alien anthropologist kind of lens that we often talk about on the show and he released it on april 1st of course he planned all that Pete at the time was quite the planner, planned all that April 1st. The world falls apart right before (laughs) all of that. And, and I was, I was like, me and a few others were like, I don't know about a book release right now, Pete. You might be competing with uh, people's attention a little bit. Released it anyway. It's an awesome book. I'm super proud to be a part of it. I have a little shtick in each uh, chapter where I where I share a little personal anecdote from my career that has to do with, say, one of the business lessons. Um, you should absolutely check that out. And we're going to be talking a little bit about that, but we're going to be talking about what we've been uh, what we've been up to since that time, the many projects that we've all, uh, pandemics are, for all of the um, things, they're, they're a pretty interesting time for innovation um, and, and shaking up uh, the patterns and everything. And so this is kind of what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to catch you guys up a little bit. And that's... Th- both the longest and one of the better intros that I've ever <laughs> given for uh, uh, and, uh, uh, and that's yeah. a wrap, folks. It was great having yeah. you listen. Yeah, that was. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed that introduction. That's all the time that we have. Uh, Peter, how you doing? I'm really good. You know, I, I, I listened to you uh, talk about that. I was I was looking at you and I was thinking about how much you've changed in the last year and. <laughs> 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 yeah, this this huge beard this, and the long hair, the long hair, and uh, and to see also how far you've come in terms of pivoting your career. And I, you know, I, it is true. Like pandemics are terrible for a lot of reasons. I did I do an end of the year reflection, and for anybody who knows me and knows Shane, knows that we are a little bit of an odd couple as friends. 
but I do this like very thoughtful reflection at the end of the year. And I actually came to the conclusion that 2020 wasn't so bad. Um, and in part, and, and it wasn't so bad because of the pandemic, because the pandemic caused me to make some changes, try some new things, and you know, and so on. And uh, and one of the running running jokes that that Shane and I have has been he's gotten more organized in the last year with all of his projects, and I've gotten less organized. Um, yeah, it's our freaky freaky Friday theory. And, uh, and, but one of the things that a pandemic I think is useful for, like, you really had a choice, in my opinion, you could have taken the pandemic and just got to the bottom of Netflix, or you could have created a bunch of stuff. And uh, you and I have been creating a bunch of stuff and, um, and are as busy as ever and making good use of, of this sort of alone time. Yeah. I mean, and we're both in a situation where, you know, we're launching these projects, these new projects where we're like, do you make money doing this sort of a thing? Oh, I don't know. Yet. You know, and th this is, this is the way of the artist. Mm -hmm. And it's something that, that, um, you know, it, it's cool to see you become so experimental because you um you know you had that uh stable um income and I got career that, being I got a that professor. college professor money that's uh, yeah that's true <laughs> and then and so but you had you have had and have uh stability but you're on kind of sabbatical when all of this mm -hmm. happened and and in and doing all of these things it's also kind of made you think like well this is something you know maybe i'm interested in exploring more and more and and whereas i'm a little more like all right if i don't make something happen i'm going to die i'll, I'll <laughs> die one day i better be really funny it's, yeah it's really you know it is an interesting thing because in stick to business i had a bunch of lessons that didn't make the cut in the mm -hmm. book and one of those lessons was called no plan b and, and and I actually came up with that lesson based upon speaking to your brothers and sisters who are comedians. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the idea is that I, I, I've had so many people say it was either I succeeded or I died or I was in prison or I was in rehab or I was in, you know what I mean? Like the, the alternative was just destroyed. Yeah. Exactly. And I have never done that, you know, and I, you know, so I'm a business school professor and I find myself not very good at making money outside of that. <laughs> like I sort of had pivoted into the world of art more than the world of entrepreneurship. Yeah. And the question is, is my university salary making me lazy? Is it making me not innovative enough, not taking big enough risks mm. and so on? Because, um, you know, I, I grew up poor. And I, I just, I sought the security of the university and it's, you know, look, it's paid off, you know, as you know, both in terms of prestige and, and in terms of, of um, resources. But, but I, the reason I got rid of the no plan B thing is because I think that you can succeed with no plan B and you can succeed with a sort of side hustle mentality. And so I've been, I have a side hustle that's over the course of the pandemic has become a primary hustle. And then I'm going to be faced with, I hope, a situation where I, I decide, do I leave academia 
mm-hmm. in order to pursue this stuff full time, or do I stay and and continue my evening and weekend dabbling? Yeah, I would. I wasn't sure if I could share that aspect of it, but it raises the stakes of the conversation. Mm-hmm. You know, for people, there there's so many people making choices like this, just all pre-pandemic, post-pandemic, mm-hmm. but definitely during this pandemic, uh, more more than ever. And you know, one thing I don't know was there. I can't think of like a a specific. I haven't read the book for a year or whatever when I read it 30 times or whatever. But um, is there something about being honest with yourself, just taking like a really hard mm-hmm. look at yourself? Because give us, was there something? Yeah, about- so there's a lesson in there I call it um, um, incredibly credible. And it's really mm. based upon this idea that comes up time and time again in comedy about truth in comedy. That is when you tell the truth, you actually have a better chance of making people laugh in part because your truth is unique, you know, mm-hmm. in that sense. And then also, most people are just really not honest. And, you know, uh, and, and there's, so there's something very authentic, appealing about someone who owns their shit, so to speak. And comics yeah. are really good at this. I use the example in business of um, Domino's Pizza. So Domino's was like sh- like trading at like $3 a share. It was just doing really terrible. And one of the reasons it was doing terrible was because its pizza tasted like cardboard. But, you know, that's that's essentially what the feedback was, that the crust tastes like cardboard. And um, Domino's owned their shit, so to speak, and did it. They, they revamped their pizza from the ground up, so to speak. And then they did an ad campaign that essentially acknowledged that their pizza sucks. <laughs> and and turn the company around it like it's it trades at like 274 dollars a share you have a very funny that's better than that. bitcoin it's better than uh, bitcoin uh, right now yes that's right yeah i mean in terms of the that increase mm-hmm. from and uh whichever was all the, i know you're spending time on clubhouse <laughs> good luck ex- escaping the cryptocurrency uh, conversation but i i because even if and if if any listener goes and rewinds the the recording, what you'll hear is Pete just being exceptionally honest with himself. Like, oh well, I don't know if I have what it takes to do this part, or I, yeah. I need to. And and that's something that I bet I've mentioned this with you on the podcast before, but it's something that. Um, I feel like I do a lot of, and you inspire me to do even more of it because you're just a, you're just a ruthless American psycho, <laughs> like like just very very not American psycho is a terrible reference because you're not you're you're you don't you're not vain, but you you are just like ruthlessly um, authentic and honest, and will tell people exactly what you think, and it's. Uh, you and I look at it different, uh, or you and I look at it the same, which is that's a service that you are provide. This is something good friends do for one another. Yes. I remember, I remember, um, we were walking, uh, uh, we were at the, remember I, when I, I lived story. in Malibu? <laughs> oh, <laughs> remember when I had that sweet pad in Malibu? <laughs> Uh, and we, we go, you, you visit and, and, uh, come stay the extra, uh, bedroom one week. And we go for some like uh, beach exercises. So we're walking along the beach one day 
and um and pete's pete looks at me and he's like you know there's something i need to tell you and it's (laughs) 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 it's it's you know this is something friends do for one another this is just and and i'm like oh my god what is like yeah by the way mind you at this time shane has has suffered from various addictions uh Mm. some uh mental health issues bad relationships i i'd been through like 10 to 20 (laughs) different interventions with people i'm like oh god here comes here it comes and then he goes he goes um you need to start trimming your ear hair distracting <laughs> distracting like <laughs> uh, yes yes of course thank you and and i mean much of our beliefs many of our ambitions because when you say most people aren't honest i'd push back a little bit and say usually the bigger issue is people aren't honest with themselves oh, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> you know they aren't taking the hard look at themselves they they would They'll do anything to hold on to the story that they want to believe. Mm-hmm. And, and um, you know, this is, of course, no comic wants to hear, like, the hateful um, comments or whatever. Sure. But, but, um, uh, but when, when you see something that is constructive criticism, even if it's, there, there's a certain honesty that you you get to interact with mm-hmm. as a comedian all the time. People aren't, people might not be able to, you know, not everyone's going to yell "you suck" in the crowd. That almost never happens. But you'll see people's eyes glaze over. Mm-hmm. You'll see people politely get up and leave the room. You know, you, you you'll hear them not very, laugh. You'll <laughs> right. hear them not laugh, yeah. and they don't. And I know we pick up on social cues in regular life, but being on stage, people just think of it as a different experience. Mm-hmm. Like this isn't it. This is an entertainment experience. This person is working for me. I am choosing to not get this product right now, so I'm I'm going to leave. And people are, you know, pretty honest mm-hmm. uh, about that. And I think that that's something that um, that I I notice you do all the time. Like you don't you don't BS people. Well, I would say this. I it's not exactly right. I would say that my level of honesty goes up the closer I am to you. Right. Right. So so people I don't care about strangers, etc. I don't. You know what I mean. But for the people I right, care about, right, it, it's right, high. Right. In part because I do spend a lot of time on myself, almost too much. I think at times, mm-hmm. um, assessing this. But I, you know, I have a saying is I like to give advice. I like to take advice. And you have a here's a fun bit that that I've that I stuck in my pocket and have used many times. Uh, saying no. Um, can you talk about that a little bit? Uh, <laughs> you you love this lesson. You love I this love lesson. this lesson. It's because I say, well, we you talk about it in the book. Mm-hmm. When you start out in comedy, you kind of say yes to all of the gigs and everything, and then eventually, and then you're in that habit, and then mm-hmm. eventually, there's things that aren't worth your time anymore. You're done figuring out how to like, okay, I put the mic stand over here and uh, hold the mic three inches from my face and get used to like, okay, I don't need that lesson again, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, no, I think, I mean, there's sort of a, there's an experience with people's careers 
And I, I, you know, I would, I would say mostly professionally, this lesson applies to, and it's when you're starting out, you just say yes to everything, you know, um, want to go out and meet for coffee? Yes. Do you want to go to this conference? Yes. Do you want to try this new project? Yes. Right. And, and the reason is not only to ingratiate yourself with people, um, that is to make these connections and so on, but also to gain the skills and to figure out what you like, what you don't like, what you're good at, what you're not good at. But at some point you get good enough that you have a good idea of what you want to be doing, a good idea of certainly of what you don't want to be doing. And if you're good enough, you get more and more of these requests. And so you get victimized by your own success. And so you go from sort of throwing a spear all outbound all the time, looking yet, you know, looking for any opportunity to then suddenly holding a shield, saying no all the time. And it's and we don't like to say no. You know, no sort of feels like a failure. We were taught not to say no. Parents don't like it when their kids say no. We like yes, you know. And so how do you how do you deal with that? Well, you have to learn how to say you have to learn when to say no and how to say no. And the when is really um, knowing what the important priorities are and, and weighing, well, what are the opportunity costs of doing this thing? Most people don't think about opportunity costs, right? And opportunity costs is in, in the world of, of money is a dollar I spend on candy is a dollar I can't spend on a salad, you know, or a dollar I spend on, um, on these shoes is a dollar I can't spend on vacation. Right. So, you know, there's there's some cost to this because people have limited budgets. There's opportunity costs of our time. And, and that's time is even more precious than money for for many people, at least for those of us who are lucky enough to have it. Uh, but how do you say no? Well, you know, I mean, I like to you know, you have to be polite. You have to acknowledge that you're going to be disappointing someone. So I, I you know, my my sort of go to typically goes something like this. Oh, I really appreciate you thinking of me. And this is super flattering. Unfortunately, I'm not able to do this, you know, kind of thing. Now, sometimes I'll put a little cherry on this, which makes it, which just changes the entire conversation. And I say, I'm spending all of my free time working on a secret project. <laughs> I, I, I don't. It, you thought I was after the secret project line. I don't. I don't. I don't use that. I love that you use that. Right. But yeah, I, I use the but, secret project line because I, I have a secret project. Of course, yeah. we all should have a secret project. Yeah. And what happens is the person will congratulate you on the secret project and wish you well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what what part did you like? You like the unfortunate, I, unable to do this. I, I yeah, without apologizing. Yeah. Yes, without yeah. apologizing. Without, never I apologize always, for saying no. Yeah, I always say, "Oh, sorry, I can't." It, mm. And you, when I read that, I was like, "What? Why am I? Man, geez, I would really like to. Why am I doing that?" Yeah. And it just like it, it's it streams line, it streamlines your life a lot, and you don't need to. Uh, I I think I think people know the score, you know, or, or mm -hmm. anyone worth working with, you know, should, knows the score a little bit, and and uh, this is. It, the like feeling bad saying no to things and the apologizing for saying no to things is something that I haven't missed at all. I've I've been using that quite a bit That's over great. the last eighteen months or so, and since I first read it in one of the first drafts, and boy, that. 
that right there is a you know everyone's going to pull their own little gems sure out, out of a book like this but that that was the one for me i'll add one thing and this is why you should not say sorry for saying no you should not apologize for saying no and the reason is you should only say sorry you should only apologize when you've done something wrong Right. You have not done anything wrong by saying no. Now you may you want to acknowledge that you've disappointed the person. You know, right. right? You know, and so so don't invite the critique that you are doing something wrong by saying I'm sorry, I'm unable to do it. That's why I just right. say, unfortunately, or I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but I can't accommodate yeah. this. And, and this is this is not like a huge section of the. That's no, the funniest like thing. There's all these. Yeah. <laughs> there's all these great things, and but you know, it was like all of the hashing out that we did, and mm -hmm. writing the book, and the going through all the big philosophical ideas about things, and then it's that one. Sometimes it's, it's just uh, that tiny little gem that you're like, oh, I'm gonna hold on to that one. Can I say something? There's this guy Naval. Yeah. Um, He's a he's an angel investor. He's turned into a little bit of a philosopher. You can find him on you know Twitter and 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 Clubhouse and all this kind of stuff. He's a he, little bit of oh yeah oh never mind. I'm I was thinking of someone else. Oh yeah. So Naval talks about the power of reading books, and I'm I'm a big reader. Shane is a big reader. We always have piles of books, and we're constantly not in the reading. pandemic, but yeah. But in general, uh, yeah, in general. yeah, general. And and he says you should never. If you think you want to read a book, you should buy it. Like the investment in a book, maybe you paid $10 for a book. Mm -hmm. But it, and, and uh, let's be honest, most books are underwhelming. Most books should be a power, PowerPoint deck or a pamphlet or, or mm -hmm. a series of tweets. That's fine. But one book can change your life. Mm -hmm. right? One book could turn into what would have been a $100,000 investment. And so in that way, don't get cheap when it comes to that kind of knowledge. And so um, I, I'm a big believer in reading for that very reason. When I say this, this is not me trying to make my listeners like feel guilty because I know what it's like being like, you should read more. And then you go, I should read more. I never. <laughs> right. This is me talking to myself because I haven't been I haven't been reading um, uh, uh, much I haven't been reading books. I've been reading way more papers than yeah, I ever have. And I mean, reading like is that, reading. But, yeah. Ah, uh, there's something about for me. There's something about holding the book I in my hand and getting all there. But, but regardless, it's um, the active, and, and even that, I'm not reading that many papers or whatever. It's it's, it's less reading than I've done in in years. But um, the point is, is the I've been watching more TV than I ever have. Okay. I'm like spending time with my folks and stuff, and it's a way that we could relate a little more and everything. And this is like a precious bit of time that I'll get to spend with them. And mm -hmm. so, uh, and and um, and and it was the winter phase of the pandemic, so I found myself on the couch a bit more. But I I was thinking about the active versus passive leisure stuff and just you can you can sit and passively take something in even if you're watching say like a ted talk or something mm -hmm. like that and uh i mean even like listening to this podcast which you're going to get a million gems out of of course <laughs> but we're already, but there's we're something, already halfway there <laughs> there's something about physically I reading agree. the ideas that you go uh, i mean it's just a totally different experience and it's it's the were you talking about this or someone else the act of writing yeah um uh, the what, what 
is that a conversation we're having? It's in the book. Yeah, it's in the book. It's uh, about, uh, I have a chapter about writing and about the value of writing by hand. Yeah. I think it's important. Yeah. Yeah. I I just, it clarifies the mind Mm -hmm. so much. I've even tried to like, you know, like my, my little old grandma like forwards me some email or whatever. I would try to be like, Hey grandma, why don't you write out what you think about things rather than, Mm -hmm. you know, unknowingly just parroting, uh, whatever horrific email someone else, uh, center. But there, there is, there's definitely, you can, you can just tell when someone writes more and and spends more time reading it just clarifies thoughts and and logic and and you know people just think things through yeah more. you know you can sort of imagine it kind of as like a two by two you know um and forgive for, listener forgive me this is this is kind of academic speak but we're going to sort of cross two variables here mm-hmm. so there is a create and versus consume one right so consuming is listening to a podcast or watching tv or reading a book um creating is making something making a podcast writing a book you know something like that creating an improv scene and then there's you cross that with fast and slow Mm -hmm. and so when you think about it right so fast so so fast consumption is you've got this podcast on one and a half you know, mm-hmm. you're, you're listening to it, but it's coming in really quickly. Slow consumption is you're reading the book, you're, you know, a piece of poetry, you're taking your time, you're thinking it through, you're pausing, and so on. And then the creating fast, you know, it could be like an improv scene, like boom, 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 you riffing with an audience kind of thing. Or you could be creating slow, which is writing a joke, mm-hmm. you know. And so all, all four of those boxes have a place in life. My argument is we, you, me, everyone, probably consumes more than we should that comes at a cost of creating. And mm-hmm. we probably move too fast. You know, so, so I, what I want to do is push people into the quadrant that's slow creation. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, slow creation can be really powerful um, and it's also where you really produce big ideas, hmm. I think. Um, they all complement each other, and we all need them in different ways and at different times. But slow slow creation, slow consumption, I'm a big fan of. Hmm. Yeah, I... I uh well now I feel better for, about my because I have I spend a lot of territory in the in the slow creation um yes, phase yeah. of life. I I just I love just sitting and just thinking and just thinking you're better at it through. than me <laughs> and uh, i mean i can i can spend all day and i think it's because so many people have it in their head that that's like doing nothing to me doing nothing is like passively watching te- that you know that's that's not, exactly right i do it every night but that's like you know that's sitting there eating junk food mm-hmm. sitting there in silence and thinking and contemplating that's i think that's some of the most useful bit of your time that you i mean this this brain that we are that we are using is no matter who you are is uh, much more fantastic uh and interesting and complex world than anything that that some entertainment's going to capture it's just that's a little bit easier and uh 
And if I may, there's a, there's also this thing, and what people don't understand is there's times in an interview where I sound like a freaking genius, you know, what I mean? and, and people go, well, how, how did they do that? Well, the reason I'm able to do that in fast production, right, fast creation yeah. is because I've spent a lot of time doing slow creation and mm -hmm. slow consumption. And so those ideas and those lines and all that stuff is, is swirling around here already. And now it's at my disposal. Yeah. And, and so to me, you don't know, I've been waiting for the moment to crowbar this into a conversation. <laughs> and now I, I have, I have so many of those. I'm usually not even consciously aware of them. It's just like, you know, I'm interviewing a guest and all of a sudden I'm like, <gasps> here it comes. <laughs> this is just knock it out of the park. You know, I, so I'll give you an example of this. There's these fun, there's these very fun, if you like Bill Burr, there's these very fun um, interviews of Bill Burr by um, Conan, for example, you know, and you listen to that thing and you're just like, oh my God, Bill Burr is a damn like comic genius. Mm -hmm. And then what you, if you, if you're just a normal everyday viewer, you don't understand this is Bill is doing a bit like this is a joke that he wrote, worked out, workshopped, practiced. Mm -hmm. And then when he goes and shows up on Conan, he goes, hey, make sure you ask me about about this watch. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Or whatever it is. Or ask me about the right. new iPhone. You know what I mean? And then what he does, what seems to be completely improvisational is a, a slowly produced thing that now he gets to quickly communicate. And, and as a result, he just seems like, you're just like, oh, my God, how did he just come up with that? Right. He didn't come up with that. He sat alone working it through in the way that you do on a regular basis. Yeah. Um, and we've both been doing some slow creation. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm slower in my creation. I, I've been adapting some Peter McGraw into my, so I have a new, a second podcast coming out. Mm -hmm. I'm sharing the name for the first time oh, now. Wow. We, we, we changed the name uh, 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 once and, uh, and we're fussing with the artwork and making sure everything clicked into place. And then, you know, wanted to get the URLs and get all the social and everything else. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's called Mind Under Matter. And it's with my good friend, Ramin Nazer. Who I've met before. I've, I've yeah. shared a green room. I shared a stage with him for stand-up science. And, uh, yeah, and he's absolutely hilarious. And, um, and, oh, did you, did you hear his joke about what happens after you die? And he likes when you go into nothingness and then, and just like become molecules. And he's like, there's reincarnation, there's how, there's how, blah, 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 blah. And then he's like, and then there's oblivion and then your molecules are going around. <laughs> you think they ever bump into one another and are like, Oh hey! I remember you. <laughs> I remember you. Remember when we were that guy? Right. <laughs> That's a great joke. Yeah. Oh, we should get coffee sometime. <laughs> oh, we should be coffee sometime. That's so funny. And, and he's this amazing artist. Everything and and so, but we've been we went back and forth for like two months over mm. hashing out things, and we're figuring out and changed this is like the studio we're still tweaking things and and recorded things tested things and everything else but it's a lot more 
a podcast is a lot more like Pete McGraw kind of schedule. Like, okay, everybody, we got to, this is every single week we need to produce. Here Mm -hmm. we go. This is, and I I throw on my McGraw hat for that. And then I have a book that I'm writing, which I can't give you the title of. You Uh, folks are going to love this book. The Secret Project. The Secret Project that I'm doing um, that I've been excited about for like nine months and I put it aside to get the podcast up and going, but it's it's come along quite a ways, and uh, that is definitely the slow mm-hmm. creation of just like, yeah, we'll we'll see, like, you know. And but I but I just have a, I'm a big believer in um, in planting planting seeds constantly mm-hmm. and just trusting in your subconscious to just do a lot of the work for you in terms of those, in terms of thinking of those great lines, in terms of those little, uh, the problem solving and everything else, just kind of starting each day, like, okay, here's what we were working on. Here's this, Mm -hmm. maybe here's an idea and then just set it aside, move on with your day and then wait for those insights to percolate, hopefully. Yeah. And so it's so amazing. We, I made the Freaky Friday comment earlier, which people don't qu- probably don't quite understand. But, you know, as, as Shane has becoming sort of more responsible and a little more ritualized and a little more task oriented, mm-hmm. I've become a little less, less so, so to speak. This is what we've been building towards for a very long time. We bo- we both knew. We both knew that we both had a little we should probably come a little bit to- toward one another. Yeah, it's true. There's like a superhero that's like a mix of the two of us, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um so I've been like I have been actually I was just talking about this beforehand. I've been experimenting a little bit with my sleep schedule. Um, I'm all out of whack. Like I've been going to bed Mm -hmm. much, much, much later than I would normally kind of thing. And in part, because I've been, I've been experimenting. So in the past year, I've experimented a little bit with psilocybin. Um, so, so Shane introduced me to psychedelics and I've been using them on my own here and there to, to, for those kind of big insights. Um, most recently on election day. Um, I, and I, I haven't tripped in a year. (laughs) (laughs) I can't believe you've done more. <laughs> Amazing! I had never used I had never used psychedelics before I met. Uh, <laughs> and then I've been experimenting with cannabis, um, and so uh, and I mean a, a little bit recreationally for fun, but um, uh, but also for creative endeavors. So so for example, past nine o'clock at night, I'm not getting any work done unless I'm on like a really tight deadline. I'm like I'm. I'm getting close to going to bed by nine kind of thing, but I might, I might get high and crack open my computer or grab a tablet and, you know, start writing out ideas. Mm -hmm. I've written one pagers under the influence, so to speak. I've had brand new ideas. And, you know, it's one of those things, like, I think when you get drunk, you have ideas. And if you write them down the next day, you look at it and you go, that's crap. But I like will look at this idea. I'm like, oh my god, that is, that's brilliant. And I know I would not have come up with the idea if I hadn't put myself in that state of mind. Yeah, I mean, it's just, uh, I, I, I mean, al- alcohol is just going to uh, like throw off your inhibitions a little bit. It might, it, it actually, it, it can help just get the 
get the pen to the pad or whatever once Maybe. in a while. Yeah, but, it's not but, a useful. It's not a it's, useful it's, facilitator. No, but um, but, but yeah, I mean, it's it's not. It, it's just that, um, and I'm not a fan of cannabis really, but but I I do find mind altered. I mostly because I used to be too big of a fan for a while, mm-hmm. and I just my brain got bored of it, I guess. But um, I I. Honestly, not to. I think it's like a little bit reckless to sell it like this, but to me, it's a little bit of a altered states like that are just a shortcut to that alien anthropologist mm. uh, anthropologist point of view. That like, who who in the world wouldn't benefit? Look, if if there was if there was like a, just a device or something like that where you could truly get outside of yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, for a minute and not be you and be someone else even for just a few minutes and then come back and integrate that you would have lots of rich insights just like i mean i talk with my brother-in-law who installs installs windows and sometimes he says something about windows i'm like huh i never really thought about that but i probably won't buy an rv ever if the windows in an rv are that like just stuff that you'd think Mm -hmm. you would never have a a benefit from or whatever is just that shift in perspective perspective is is a shortcut to those kind of shower thoughts those epiphanies yeah and i'm not i'm not advocating um cannabis per se you know what i mean so for for me it's been good because i have a hard time switching off i have a hard time relaxing i you know i sometimes um my my sleep gets interrupted you know and so on and so this is something that is sort of pleasurable and fun and allows me to it just it shifts my perspective in a way that i can't naturally Mm-hmm. Um, and so I have, I end up having like these very interesting thoughts and, and ideas that I wouldn't normally have. Um, I won't, I won't bore you with them, but one, speaking of reading during the pandemic, one way that I have coped, um, cause I've been, you know, kind of, I've been in Los Angeles, which has been under the, some of the heaviest lockdown and I'm just not a homebody. I just have never mm-hmm. been a homebody. And so I like to be in motion. And so I would do these reading retreats. So I basically would take like 20 books. I'd take two, two suitcases, one suitcase of books and one suitcases of clothes. And I would go somewhere, you know, maybe I'd, I'd rent a Airbnb somewhere or I'd get a hotel room somewhere and I'd spend, and I would, I would get it for like three or four nights, but I would pack for like seven nights. And then I would just show up and I would just shut off the electronics and I would read and take notes and read and take notes and take a nap and read and take notes and so on. And then around at some point, I'm like, okay, I'm kind of coming to the end here. And I, you know, or I might extend a little bit. And then the last day I would, um, I would, I would set the books aside and I would get high and I would just write, mm-hmm. you know, and I have like 12 to 15 books kind of swirling through my head and, and stuff starts going down on paper. Uh, you know, in a way that I probably, you know, without that little different, you know, you, I like the, you know, this alien anthropologist idea, that different perspective mm-hmm. that, um, you know, and, and look, I'm, I'm a creative person, you know, it's not like it's going to take someone who's not creative and make them creative. It's just right. like in the same way that when, you know, if to use like a sports analogy, right? Like if you have a good meal, you're going to be able to perform better. Or if you have the right equipment or, 
if you change up your training, you're going to have some breakthroughs, like, you know, these kind of things are. And so I've been experimenting a lot more rather than living my normal rigid Peter McGraw life. I've been living yeah. more of the Shane Moss kind and of. And I've been doing more Peter McGraw. I, I will say that I've realized much of it was just like, oh my God, I was just on the road for 15 yeah. years. And it's just, of course, everything was, it, and I was, you know, um, a couple days ago, I spent like 12 hours straight just checking off like 30 minute long tasks, just mm. one after another, just, I, and I always take breaks for naps and stuff. I, my, my superpower, I can sleep anytime and I can, I can take a nap very easily and wake back up very easily. And I just sleep when I'm tired and I wake up when I wake up and yeah. it's, and that and is a superpower. It is. I be. I had a. I had a team meeting for Mind Under Matter before this, mm -hmm. and then I texted you, and I was like, "Hey, could we do thirty minutes uh, late? Would you mind?" Because I, I was just like, "I'll just take a twenty-minute nap, quick, and then refreshed, ready to go, asking perfect questions, <laughs> just being and an I amazing podcast host, <laughs> nailing intros." <laughs> What longest a, and best intro in podcasting <laughs> history. Wait, we got off track about mind under matter because you, yeah, you, yeah. So what? Um. So well, no, I mean, so I thought it might be fun just to. So those are a couple things that I'm working on, but I've also in the year. I mean, before the pandemic, I wasn't active on social media, and I've for better or worse, uh, experimented a bunch with getting back on. And one of the big surprises was Instagram mm. um, was like, oh, what a great place to put little highlights, clips from, you know, uh, this for people scrolling through and get a few new listeners and, and to be able to have some fun highlights and add video. And this is speaking of like, a paradigm shift and how simple they can be where it's like, you know, you don't have to be a genius to have an insight like this. You just need the opportunity to see something slightly differently. Hmm. And for me, because I was early to the podcast game or whatever, tell my grandkids I was a, one of the first ones to have one of well, these. Well, yeah, because comics are early adopters. They're, yeah. Yeah. And so, so audio only and people are start doing video podcasts and i'm out on social media and i'm like why in the world why would someone watch a podcast why would someone watch a 90 minute conversation when two things when like game of thrones and everything is on tv and i realized that oh i watch this is what i realized as soon as the pandemic happened i realized oh i watch tv so much differently than everyone else. When mm -hmm. I watch TV, I'm like, I'm going to watch an episode of Mr. Robot right now. I'm going to sit and I'm going to watch this episode and watch it intently mm -hmm. and really like, ooh, those were some nice acting choices. And I like this scenery. And like, oh, I wonder where the... And I'm thinking about it and I'm, I'm like really invested like you would if you were going to the movies or something. That's how I approach TV. It's with intention. Mm -hmm. And most people have stuff just playing in the background all of the time. Yeah, so that's like, right. you know, Our my mom has TVs in like, their kitchen. 
Yeah, yeah you right. got the Hallmark Channel on or the day the time mm -hmm. TV or whatever while you're baking, and you're like, pay, you're listening a little bit, and you don't really need to see it, and you can look over once in a while to see a facial expression or someone laughing or reaction or whatever. But what? How did I not see that? Yeah, My okay. God, I've been missing. What an epic blind spot. And this is the sort of thing that we're kind of talking about of mm -hmm. like, you don't need to be Einstein here. You just need to s yeah, see true. things from a slightly different perspective. You know what it is, is and this is something that, that people talk about be not being honest with themselves, is everybody wants to think they're right all the time. Mm -hmm. Everybody's just finding reasons to be right. You're right, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well played. I mean, it's true. We, we, we talk so much about motivational reasoning That's right. and, and uh, confirmation bias. And uh, yeah. I mean, you Jenny know, so, Kruger. so you, you started off with the benign violation theory, you know, so this is a theory I co-created with, with Caleb Warren. I think not to be immodest, but to be honest, I think it's the best theory of humor out there. Mm -hmm. I, I also agree. I also think it's wrong. Mm -hmm. That is that I know it's wrong. It you know it's like in the sense that it, at the very least it needs to be revised. And I also know that I'm probably well, not the right person to revise it. Well, you're the Newton of humor. <laughs> 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 it was like it was pretty good for working with like a bowling ball and a ramp that's right like yeah that. no no yeah i'm not a, you know i don't i'm not putting i'm not putting the theory down it's just that like at every stage in throughout history we thought we were right and we look back and we're like Woo, we were really wrong about that you know what i mean kind of thing and so yeah. so what i mean is is that what we you know i like it's like you know Fat was bad and now and sugar was good. Now sugar is bad and fat is good. Like these things change regularly. So we should be very careful about believing that anything that we believe right now at this moment is right in the long run. Mm -hmm. And so we owe it to ourselves to question whether what we're doing, what we believe couldn't be adjusted or fixed or improved or changed. Um, even though it's right enough in the sense, like it works well enough for us, but might there be something better? What a perfect way to phrase what I've been trying to say when I'm like, snap out of it, fuckers. <laughs> um, but the way that you phrased it so much, <laughs> so much better. Um, so I wanted to um, talk about your kind of some... I mean, you had started some of these things just before the pandemic, but some of yes. this has been a, a catalyst for uh, it's accelerated the growth of certain things. Mm -hmm. And then there's there are completely novel things like solo. It's accelerated. And 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 then but there's also things like clubhouse or something like that. That's this brand new novel thing mm -hmm. that's happened. And then you've made uh, you you've toyed around with career choices yes. and, and stuff like that. So, so I thought maybe sharing what we've kind of both been through, like I've, I've kind of already summed up the, the, the things that I, I, I threw a lot of spaghetti against the wall yes. and I, I've shared the things that kind of stuck and actually just, you know, little habits, taking better care of myself, yoga, stuff like that. Surprising, 
your reflection, surprising amount of stuff actually stuck. Mm-hmm. I'm usually like a one in a thousand idea mm-hmm. type type person. I'll hold on to that. I've I've been I've been hitting more like oh one in one in fifty of these is like worth exploring a little more, and then I'm hitting a a better batting percentage with those two. Uh, well, I'm not surprised to hear that. I mean, so think about your think about the first ten thousand jokes you wrote. Right, right. And the hit rate on those versus the next 10,000, right? Like you're going to, you, we should get better at creative tasks if we dedicate our lives to creative tasks. Mm-hmm. Um, in part because you get to not only avoid, you know, some of the problems, but you also just have a wealth of knowledge to build on, mm-hmm. uh, you know, this there. So I'm, I'm happy to see, and I agree with you. Like, I think that the quality of your ideas are going up and the, and the quality of the products are going up. And I think that the quality of the execution is going up in part because, you know, we're, we're meeting in the middle, right? You know, you're, you're starting to get better at processes and running a team and, you know, basically running something like a business versus as an artist. And so, so I'm not surprised. And also the more you do that, the more efficient you get. So you waste less time and, yeah. and so on. That's well, fine. it's, it's funny because my, my friend Ramin Nazer, my, my business partner, he's still in a lot of ways, like an artist, a lot mm-hmm. of his, a lot of his art represents the struggles between artist and businessman. And so it's very meta kind of, it's art about making art and the struggles uh, within and, very clever stuff, but uh, but because I was on the road producing my own shows, doing my own bookings, being a roadie and all that, all of that led to, when all of that came to a halt, I was like, oh, I picked up all these new skills since... Well, since I was just a p- artist purist, you know, grinding it out and be the funniest and get on stage the most or whatever, and that's how you succeed, all of a sudden these production things, mm-hmm. I go, oh, this isn't just a this isn't just like a podcast we goof around and throw things together. This is a TV show. I'm mm-hmm. putting together a team. We're filming a thing. We're gonna make it look great, you know. And uh, well, yeah. also, if I may. This is this is the thing about remote work that no, that people didn't anticipate. Everybody thought mm-hmm. like, well, if we let people work at home, they're just going to sit around and watch Pornhub all day and not do their work. And really what ends up happening is Pornhub only took three minutes. It only ever <laughs> took three minutes. If it ever took longer, it was just because it was on your mind for so much longer than it ever needed to be. <laughs> I'm glad I could see up that joke, uh, Shane. That's hilarious. Uh, and so, you know, but what the issue is like the average American's commute is not yeah. trivial. And right. so, so now suddenly you have an extra hour or two hours. And yeah. also you have more energy because driving for an extra hour or two hours a day is, is takes a lot out of you. Yeah. And so we've seen people's productivity go up while working at home. Well, and get set up at work and say hi to all the people that you're supposed to say hi to and get bothered by here and there and make the water cooler talk and Mm -hmm. drive to the thing for lunch and drive back and all of all of that. That's hours, hours. And so now you go from being a, a, a road comic Mm-hmm. to living at home every hour that you were driving what is now an hour that you could be doing something else with and so I, 
I miss the driving because that's actually great that's for my mind. But the two hours setting up the show, the two hours after the show, that's four hours of, of yes. just behind this. You know, this isn't the creative process. This is rolling up chords, yes. <laughs> you know, stuff like stuff. That's like right. That. And so why, yeah. and you, you know, you're getting to the, and you know, the thing that's holding you back, obviously is you don't have enough capital to, to hire everyone you would want to hire. Someone should be rolling up your chords now. Right. Like, yeah, yeah. you know, I mean, the ideal thing, right? Like if you're the edge, you know, of you two, right? You're one of the world's greatest guitarists. You've got 20 guitars to choose from for a show. You have mm -hmm. a full time guitar guy. Yeah, yeah. All he does is make sure those guitars are perfectly tuned, ready to go in the right place. And if you're the edge, you get to sit in the green room have a cup of tea and they're like, all right, you're on in, in, in one minute, you know, and you just go, all right, you just walk out there and you get to be the edge. You're not tuning yeah. these things and cleaning them and doing all this kind of stuff. And so it allows him to be even better at something that he's already the best at. Mm -hmm. And so yeah. um, I think people, you know, and I, I don't know about you, but the pandemic, um, you know, it's trite to say, but it, it, it should be causing people to think twice about their lives, you know, to, because it's, it's disruptive. It gets you, because you have a choice. Do you go back to the life that you had before in every single way that it was? Mm -hmm. And if, if, if that's going to feel right and be perfect for you by all means, but this is a chance to make that kind of change. And so um, again, it's trite to say, but it's, if, if this doesn't remind you that there, you only have one life, and that it, that life can be unpredictable and savage. That's it's, what it is. Man, least amount of depression I've ever had in an entire year's time. Mm. It's the least depressed I've ever been for a full year. The least That's depressive amazing. episode of everything that I've ever had in my life. And it's because of a few things. One is that like, Oh, I'm glad you guys finally see now. Like, this is how I've thought life is this whole time. Like, you were, <laughs> you, you were, said this you were on, yeah, you were just sitting on a recliner. You didn't realize the recliner was on a tightrope. Yeah, you had no idea. And and there, there's that. But then I just love the. This is why I like psychedelics and why I haven't had any real desire mm -hmm. to do a psychedelic because the shifting around of perceptions that comes with this, I can have this experience uh, just sitting in the same room, not traveling and going to a bunch of different places. Right. I can sit and be like, wow, what's going on out there today? Yeah. Amazing. It's like tragic, ending. but right. it's never ending. And, and I, I think that, uh, I, I, I think that, th that there's going to be a lot of winners coming out of this. And I was fortunate enough to early on, I got right with myself and was, I was in a privileged position of getting to talk with, uh, epidemiologists mm -hmm. and stuff and being like, oh, okay. So this isn't, this isn't another few weeks sort of situation. Yeah. All right. I'm, I'm. I'm not a stand-up comedian. <laughs> I'm something else and I'm figuring out what that is. I'm taking those skills and applying them to something else. I'll be a stand-up comedian again one day. But right now, forget that. I'm not like I'm not doing virtual shows and like here's a little quarantine compromise, any of that kind of stuff. So what have you um kind of been up to over the last year? 
Well, okay, before I do this, I want to I want to say this is that Shane saved me from getting COVID. <laughs> uh, so, first of all, I wasn't my my op, I'm an optimist. Um anybody who's ever heard like pays attention to me knows how optimistic I am about things. And and I'm optimistic because like I'm living a life that I ought not to be living. Like I just put my mind to it and I was able to do it, to succeed and to do it. And so that I'm like, well, so that's emboldened me. I'm like, all right, well, what else can I do? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, and and Shane sometimes though, as as a more pessimistic fellow, can can be a nice balance to that. Um, but I I got like basically sick of being locked home and not being able to travel, and I'm like, I'm like understandable. Fuck, fuck it, I'm going to Mexico City. I've always wanted to go to Mexico City. I just it's more open. I just want to be able to sit in a cafe and read a book and just live a little bit of a normal life. And um, the day before I was going to arrive, I had a phone call with Shane, and, and Shane says to me, he says, I don't know. You know, like kind of, I don't know. And he said, you know, what we don't know about COVID is the long-term effects, right? On your brain and your lungs and your heart. There's enough evidence to suggest that, you know, some non-trivial amount of people have these long haul problems kind of thing. You and I can't have mild brain fog. We, I have no room to lose IQ points. I'm, we, I'm we're not we're not cranking out widgets That's in right. a factory. The, <laughs> yeah, I can't I can't take a ten point IQ hit. It, it, I'm a different person. No way. You know, I can't do what I I like to do. And so I say I have two things going for me. I've got my height and my brain. And so, uh, and the brain's much at much more risk, you know? And mm. so I canceled the trip actually, because I am a reasonable, rational person. And it was a strong argument. Like why chance it? Can't you just power through and get through this? The vaccine's coming and so on. Cancel the trip. The two people I was going to see in Mexico city, both got COVID, which means that I, you know, we, who knows yeah. exactly, but you know, chances are I would have gotten COVID and had it in Mexico city. And so, um, so Shane's uh, connection into the world of science, paying attention, and the fact that he's a good friend. You know, we we started off at the at the onset talking about how friends are honest with each other. Mm -hmm. um, I did an episode of my podcast recently on Nietzsche, and Frederick Nietzsche. Um, this may be surprising to people. Was a big believer in friends. Um, he believed that friends make us better people. Mm -hmm. and, and the reason is twofold, is that one, it's actually threefold. Uh, one is our friends care about us. They want us to be better people. The second one is that our friends have insights that we may not have. They may even have insights about who we are that we may not have. Again, because as we talked about earlier, people don't, aren't always honest with themselves. Mm -hmm. and, and your friends can see you more honestly. And then the last one is friends are sort of, these are my words, not Nietzsche's words, they're optimally distant, right? They're close enough to you that they know you, but they're further, they're far enough away from you that they're not so entwined that they can't see. Mm -hmm. um, it's part of the reason why, um, you know, Shane is such a good friend because he's, he wants me to be better. He has these insights and we don't spend all of our time together. You know, mm -hmm. we kind of, we talk a lot on the phone. We get this, you know, pre-pandemic spent, spent time together when we were in the same city and stuff. 
And so um, this is it really when you say it like that, it really is. We have an optimal proximity relationship. We do. We're not we're not roommates. We don't talk every day. I could day. not stand you as a roommate. Oh, my God. I, I'd be fine with you. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but I also don't me. want any roommates. So it's not yeah, about yeah. you either. Yeah, no, I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I don't I don't get super. Uh, I don't take living no. situations too terribly seriously so i'm i'm a little more loosey-goosey when, yeah. uh, but um but we we all but we keep up we we, we talk close to once a week or once every uh, we uh, talk like I, twice a month at least at least and, at least i think it's more uh, like once a week yeah it's a short yeah. check-in to sometimes sure. a, a longer one and and it's and we have like pretty task oriented uh conversation a, a check-in P- peter peter like schedules his fun he schedules his <laughs> vacate i was like yeah call whatever and he's like here's my time to call a friend and he called he's like all right well i've we're we have two more minutes to finish my allotted time of friendship that i've given myself <laughs> Um, but yeah, that's, that's a really interesting because I do, I have, I have other friends like that mm-hmm. of your approximate closeness and it's, it's a nice, but we also a, spend time together at this intense at times too, right? Yeah, so we'll yeah. be in, we'll, you'll come and stay with me for a couple days or, or, or whatnot. Well, it starts know? off as a week and then like a few <laughs> days in you're like, you gotta, you gotta scoot your boots, bud. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> that was not, I mean, when I had my house and my house in Boulder is less of a problem, but in my one bedroom apartment, it's, uh, oh yeah, of course. Um, so, so you have, uh, talk about solo. Okay. Stuff. Yeah. Sorry. This is a very long lead up. So, so I yeah. had this life, um, I, I can kind of see my life in a little bit as of stages, right? So I kind of start off as this behavioral economist, this, this marketing and psychology professor. I stumble on the question of what makes things funny. Um, I, I dive into that. I become a bit of a public academic as a result. I, I end up meeting meeting Shane. Um, I find myself on stages more often, writing books, co-writing books, and so on. I launch a podcast called I'm Not Joking that I use to, to help siege, stick to business. Um, there, Shane's a, a, was, um, was a guest on there, obviously. And... Um, and so I'm sort of now kind of, if you think about a Venn diagram, I'm sort of in the world of kind of like business and comedy, so to speak. And Stick to Business, my last book, I think is the epitome of that, right? It's it's a it's um, serious lessons from the masters of comedy. I was planning a sabbatical, planning a leave of absence. I was calling it my mini retirement or my, my semi-retirement. And I knew that I wanted to set the academic work aside. And I, I've known... I've really known um, that I, I wanted to, I wanted the comedy stuff to be a 10 year project. It's now approaching 12 or 13 years, but I had always thought of it as like a finite period of time. And, and the idea being that I think my best comedy related ideas are behind me, or at least humor research ideas are behind mm-hmm. me. I think there's other people who now will have a fresh perspective. Um, Max Planck said that, that, um, the advancement of science happens one funeral at a time, you know, mm-hmm. so it's not, it's not the grizzled old veterans who come up with the big breakthroughs. It's sort of, it's sort of those mid career folks. And so I was like, well, what am I going to do with this, this leave of absence? I knew that I wanted to do some sort of creative work. And at the time I envisioned it as a book, 
Um, but I ended up launching it as a podcast in part because I like talking more than I like read, uh, writing. Um, but I had this idea. I was going to write a book about turning 50 and about how to turn 50 well, so to speak. It was a loose idea. And then I realized, no, it's not a book about turning 50. It's about being a 50-year-old bachelor, right? So how do you, you know, if you've never married, you never had kids, and now you're 50, like, what do you do? How do you do this? There is no playbook for the 50-year-old who's never been married and never had kids. There is no playbook at all. Mm -hmm. And then I realized, well, shit, there's no playbook for people who are single in any way. Mm -hmm. If anything, it looks something like this. If you look for that book, it's either, oh, woe is us, look at how we are stereotyped and discriminated against, and here are the ways. Or it's, you know, Shane, we just got to fix you up and you can just power through this and we're just going to make you an appealing prospect and you are going to find the love of your life. And you're curing my singleness. That's right. I will cure you. (laughs) I will cure you. Neither of those books or ideas resonates with me. First of all, I'm too positive and optimistic to complain too much about single life because I think it's pretty great. And the second one is I don't want to be fixed so that I can then become part of a package deal, you know, where my name and some woman's name gets turned into a nickname like Benefer. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, I decided to write that book. And then, as I said, I pivoted into a podcast called Solo, The Single Person's Guide to a Remarkable Life. So it started off as a secret project, a passion project. It's completely different than anything I've ever done. It has a, it has a dose of science in there, of course. Um, and I'm having the time of my life doing it. And of anything I've done, it might be the biggest thing that I end up doing in my life. Like, Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's a, and, and you found a good genuine fit for yourself, which is, I mean, we've been having relationship conversations about, since we met you know you've you've, yeah. you've you've seen me go through two long ones and some other small things and stuff mm-hmm. and um and we i mean i think we're we're pretty like on the level ish mm-hmm. in terms well that's that's not we're we're both not interested in marriage or kids yeah and i don't want to be married we have kids. different different approaches to like what what exactly that that means uh for us Mm -hmm. i i think that one of the things that i think will work really well for you is that you're so anytime there's like uh anytime you see something like this you know it's like like you said there's there's the there's there's a lot of books out there trying to like cure your singleness mm-hmm. or tell you how to you know and lots of podcasts too and a lot like there's there there's stuff yeah, out there but there's the thing is is that it's like there's so many uh like like the market is so filled with uh with grifters that it's like so much of your competition is grifters which is which is people people trying to put a facade on mm-hmm. of like what you're actually doing to then sell it to people. It's like so much of what happens out there is even, even with, even with like, I, I know some of the people that you're in, like, so, uh, like 
you know, the admirable like Navy SEAL that can do this and that, and he's overcoming all that. And some of that stuff is like, wow, this is just a generally impressive human. Other things are this person has a very, very specific niche in there and they're saying, Hey, everyone can do this yeah. too. And it's like, it's kind of like standing like, Hey, I have a magic elixir that can make you do anything really well. And then you drink it in front of everyone and then you juggle really well. And the trick is you've just been practicing juggling quite a bit. Yeah. It has nothing to do with the elixir. And, and I think that I, I think that you're actually live. I think it's because you're used to being a professor and coaching young people through like, you know, here's what this life is going to be like and kind of giving mm -hmm. advice to people. You're, you, you have a good way of meeting people where they are and hearing like kind of what people need. And then, and then you're just, uh, and, and then you're also just, uh, genuine and straightforward like we've talked about like you're just kind of a, a very very authentic person so i've watched you develop into uh, this thing of like i'm done apologizing for stop asking me when i'm going to get married or mm -hmm. whatever and that's a struggle that so many people like myself and and so many other people um resonate with and so when you hear the reason why you do so well on Clubhouse f mm -hmm. is because people on Clubhouse are trying to pretend like they sound like you. Like you just <laughs> are, you you just have, you know, you're very fluid in talking about cognitive biases and mm -hmm. uh, psychology concepts and stuff like that that actually are applicable to these things that we, that, uh, we need to hear about. And so, so many people are like, so many people look at life as like this pyramid scheme, you know, of like, I get the most pyramid scheme thing you've ever done is academia. Yes, <laughs> you know, that's like, absolutely right. <laughs> Huge pyramid scheme. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and all of everything you've done from that is kind of deviating from that. Uh, the, the, I mean, there's lessons in stick to business about this, which is um, uh, creating a chasm mm -hmm. and, I mean, from researching humor, which is like, humor, this is a serious college. That's right. Yes. We don't research joking here. No, no. Yeah, that's true. It's like anything that I've done so far that feels a little bit out of bounds um, because the mainstream folks think it's silly or frivolous or don't or they have a blind spot about it um, has paid off. I would mm -hmm. say that. But. The solo stuff is easy. You know, it's kind of easy for me to be good at it in part because I've been training my whole life for it. Mm -hmm. um, and then also I have a very clear picture of who my my audience is. Mm -hmm. Right. And so you can appreciate this as a comic. Like, you know, exactly the best audience member for stand up science and who the best audience member for a good trip is. Right. Mm -hmm. And there's some overlap between the two, but there's not perfect overlap. Right. And so I know who the perfect solo audience member is. And he or she, by the way, is mostly she, um, is not being well served at the moment. Mm -hmm. Like I have people who email me and said, I'm so happy I found your podcast. And, and for people who don't exactly understand what the podcast is, is I basically bring on board remarkable singles or experts to help people live their single lives better. 
So it's a, it, it seeks to destigmatize single living, to celebrate the opportunities that single people have on the planet, to expose them to unconventional ideas and about and, and inspire them to do things with the time, the energy, the resources that they have being single, not raising a kid, not putting all of their eggs into one basket and so on. And um, I have people email me and say, I listened to your podcast and I shout hallelujah or amen at the things that I hear. And the reason is that person feels like they're out on an island. They don't know anyone who thinks like that. And yet there are lots and lots of people in the world who do. And, um, and so the podcast is putting out a message that resonates with them. They're learning a language. They're learning ways to think about these kinds of things. They're being inspired by these remarkable singles that I profile. And, um, and the reason that the Clubhouse stuff is sticking, and for those of you who don't know what Clubhouse is, it's just like this new hot social media app. It's real-time conversations. So no video, um, no text, no images. It's conversations like a chat room, so to speak, but, but vocally. Mm-hmm. One advantage I've had in Clubhouse was I was early, and that's just dumb luck. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So if I, if I showed up at Clubhouse a year from now, I would, I would struggle to find my footing. But I was early enough there. And I have a, I have a friend, um, Darwin, who got me on the app. He says, Pete, you're a 10 on Clubhouse. Mm-hmm. Like I'm like a five on every other social media site. But I'm yeah. like a 10 on Clubhouse because yeah, yeah. I have a good voice. I'm basically a professional talker. Yeah. Right. So I podcast, I give speeches, I teach. Running a room on Clubhouse is like running an MBA case, and I can run the mm-hmm. shit out of an MBA case, mm-hmm. you know? And then the last thing is, I'm, I'm noticeably older than the average person on Clubhouse. It's a young, excuse, young, 20s and 30s. And I can talk about five topics eloquently. Mm-hmm. Like, like there are people who know me on Clubhouse who don't even know that I do humor research. Like mm-hmm. it's not, they don't even know I'm a behavioral economist. They know me from all the solo stuff. And what I did was I launched three clubs. I launched a, a club for singles called Solo. I launched a solo travel club and I, I launched a solo entrepreneurs club. And so I had this sort of brand and I'm all those things and I can run a room and I can curate moderators and so on. I'm, I know I sound like a dick, but I'm good at this. Yeah, and, no, I would, I, I, I would stop you. If you said, hey, hey, Pete, hit, let's hit at it. Pete, you sounded like a dick, right? There. No, this is, I mean, this, it's all, it's all true. I mean, I've, I've known you for long enough to know that you do all of these things and, uh, and do them well and do them successfully. And I've, I've told you when I've thought otherwise. Well, you can cut all that. I don't mind. But the, but the issue is, is that uh, oh, um, no. it's a place for a community, right? So now yeah, what yeah. has happened is there's a whole bunch of people out there who have these struggles, who don't feel like the normal, what we call relationship escalator works for them. They're building a business and they're like, wait, and I'm also supposed to find the love of my life and I'm supposed to have 2.5 kids and I'm supposed to live in the suburbs. That sounds terrible to me. Mm -hmm. And no offense to to folks who do that. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I just think it's over-prescribed. I was was talking with my... uh my therapist like uh, a week ago started i started therapy this year um because i'm in congratulations that's great i mean it was 
is just ridiculous. They they don't if you have a therapist, they can't even virtually they can't attend if you're on the road. Um, if you're on the road, they can't um, they can't uh, give you therapy. You know, if, if you're in Ohio, you can't get therapy from someone that has a Wisconsin license. It's bonkers, or whatever. And 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 so anyway, so um, the, but they they were. I was talking about my all of the like female friends that I had, like mm-hmm. the platonic female friends that that. I mean, and I had them too when I was in relationships. It was just this weird thing of like, got to deal with jealousy issues and stuff like that. And yeah. and I was just talking about how how satisfying um, it was to have. It was like scratching a lot of itches. Mm-hmm. And he was like, "This is nothing groundbreaking," but he he was like, "Well, yeah, it's it's you you m- most people." you know a guy or a lady or a guy will be like i need to find a woman who's like this person that's like gonna be my best friend and my roommate mm-hmm. and my and my like partner and and i have sex with them and like all of the things and all the things. it's yes. just all of the things is such a ridiculous and i think i think the reason why this is i uh, taking off for you now i mean first it, it was a good project when you started and you were and you were new before the pandemic maybe it'd be doing even better right now but i mean it's it's funny that a solo that that could be confused for I, i'm sure when some people first click on it they might confuse it for like a dating thing or something like they that, might yeah you know? they quickly find out it's not about right, right. relationships per se yeah but to do to have something in that realm ish during a pandemic <laughs> do well i think it's because like we said earlier this is like this big reset and everyone's reassessing mm-hmm. things and this might be that real chance to get rid of the overly prescribed leave it to beaver right. lifestyle which was never a thing it was a thing that was Sorry. made up this for, long uh, yes. for television it, it, it wasn't even that then it was this fake produced while they were still awkwardly figuring out how tv went mm-hmm. you know <laughs> and it was like this caricature of all and God, the damage I think that that's done so many people in in raise in this weird bar, this weird expectation that people are supposed to have. And I think that it's, you know, obviously you'll be the first one to say, go and have go and pursue the leave it to beaver thing if if if, if, it's if right that's what you. you're after. Yeah. You'll find someone out there that's also after the leave it to beaver right. thing. But for the many of us who don't want to subscribe to that, uh, this is this is a great. Um, I'll give you an example. This is you've alluded yeah. to this in your conversation just now. Is when it comes to a what we call the relationship escalator, this commonly accepted relationship that's given special status. You know exactly what it looks like. You know, dating, define the relationship, sex, marriage, kids, happily ever after, or at least ever after. Is that jealousy is uh is not a bug it's a feature mm-hmm. of the relationship jealousy is important to the relationship because what it does is it gets people to behave in a particular kind of way mm-hmm. I, w- I should not have this 
I should not go on hikes with my attractive female friend, even though she can help me talk through these issues, or even though my partner's not good at doing it. My partner doesn't like hiking. I'm supposed to forego hiking or hike with my guy friends, but not, you know, like, and, and so in many ways you just miss out on life because you're trying to avoid jealousy. Yeah. And so now if, what if you took a relationship, whatever that may be, and you turned it and made it anti-jealous and now the people in my life, I'm happy when I'm not able to meet their need and they're able to find it from someone else because they're being elevated as a result of that. That's a radical notion, but that is fundamental to me, to solo living, for, for example. And so I think that the, there's starting to be an emergence of people who just question the status quo. The evidence about the mythology around marriage and children is becoming more and more clear. I'll, I'll say this for your listeners. There is zero evidence that getting married makes you happy. Absolutely zero evidence of it. And by the way, you'll never be able to find evidence for it because you're never going to be able to randomly assign people to marriages. Mm -hmm. um, and so the, all the existing data says no advantage. Um, and uh, it's doubtful that that data is wrong. Mm -hmm. And I'll get off my solo soapbox right now. I love uh, I love that. That's that's um uh, we can get off both of our soapboxes <laughs> um because because we should uh we should wrap up. Okay. But I that that was um yeah, that was this went exactly as I was hoping it would and and um this is awesome that we got to plug all of our stuff in <laughs> hash it's out. Hour long average. You know, I will say yeah. this. You know, you talked about this earlier I'll, and then I will let you wrap. I'm really bad at promoting things. Yeah. You know, I know the value of it. Um, and so I love doing these podcasts because it doesn't feel like I'm promoting something. It's just having a conversation. But yeah, but with podcasting, it's like, you know, people are listening and it's like, what rabbit hole? You know, there's a zillion choices true, out yeah. there. And so it's it's giving people a little bit of a sample into like, oh, that sounds like something I'd be interested in exploring more. I can guarantee and, you this, Shane. <laughs> At this moment, there's a small group of your listeners who's like, oh, I should check this podcast out. This sounds really cool. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. They should oh, check yeah. out the series on friends. They should check out the series on unconventional relationships. And there's a bunch of your listeners who's like, this dude is an idiot or a dick or a weirdo or whatever. No, I don't. I don't. Think My so. point is like, you know, I'm I not mean, for, they, for everyone. These ideas yeah, are yeah. not for everyone. But there's a group right. of people out there where they're not hearing these ideas anywhere right, else. Right, right. You know. Oh, I know. I just I just think quite highly of my listeners and I I think that they're just oh, like well. a little brighter than the average bulbs and so I I, have I, no doubt. I expect them to get it. Um uh, and 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 I I know from I've been doing some fun Patreon events of having like meetups with people and stuff and there's there's a lot of I I know just from randomly meeting people out there there that there's a lot of people that listen to this podcast that would benefit from yours as well so soloclubs.com is that where i should be directing people well that's for anybody on clubhouse where people want to engage with the clubhouse community okay. yes absolutely and then um uh, everything else all all things solo you can find on petermcgraw.org and anywhere podcasts are found and the most important 
thing that I want to plug is you can talk online with Peter and I during a Reddit M- um, AMA. Uh, I almost said MDMA uh, <laughs> with all the psychedelic talk. Hey, we should um, do both. <laughs> not a bad idea it is freaky friday isn't it i really care about your question man um that's so meaningful um yeah so we're doing it because you're relaunching stick to business which i was a part of relaunching on april 1st this april fool's day um and uh and uh, so April 2nd, we're doing a Reddit mm-hmm. AMA. It's my first ever AMA. I have three that I'm planning. I'm, I'm doing one for Psychonautics, and then I'm going to be putting together one for Mind Under Matter, too. But this is like of the things, you know, I've been telling you, like I'm, I'm experimenting with, I, I'm. I'm practicing what I preach. I'm experimenting with a lot of new That's things. Good. I'm lining up a bunch of uh, of cool stuff, and I I have uh, I have I have someone kind of guiding me through Reddit and hopefully putting it together so it will uh, will get a, a decent crowd in there. And I would love for as many of you that are on reddit to check it out so that's april 2nd from noon to 4 eastern Mm -hmm. standard time um because i guess a lot of people um type away on reddit while they're at work and supposed to do other things well they're only three minutes on Pornhub, so they have a lot of extra time and so so check that out if you go to shanemoss.com um you should see a banner for the ama um and uh my reddit is moss shane which um i haven't used until now i'm going to start doing the reddit thing as well i guess it's a pretty intelligent crowd that's into science Mm -hmm. and comedy um so should be a good crowd for it so check that out thank you peter mcgraw for joining me, my friend, and um, and listeners, also check out Stick to Business. Uh, it will help you come up with better questions for us on April second. And though, uh, and yeah, thanks for being such wonderful, curious people. And we'll talk with you next week. Cheers. Thanks for listening or watching, everybody, which, by the way, uh, just found out there's a bunch of listeners that that only found out recently that I have uh, been putting this on YouTube and it's a video that they can see and everything. So you should check out my YouTube if if you're into that. There's tons of highlights from the shows too so you can get a taste of of a given episode um, uh, and decide uh, if uh, if you want to listen to the full thing. So that's an advantage of it. And, and then it's also just, you can see my crazy beard and see, uh, see the guest and our facial expressions and, um, our just delightful, uh, chemistry and wonder, geez, how does, what a great host. How does he just, uh, get just such perfect rapport with each and every guest how wow i mean it sounded good on audio but when you see it on video jeez louise how is he able to do it and just be in awe 
really i imagine truth is guys uh i could i could use some more views on youtube i started it a year ago i still have never looked into like you know you'll watch some dumb video like how do the algorithms work and these keywords and stuff that you're supposed to do okay you try this trick and do that and oh god that is not that's not the sort of thing you want to do with your day, you know? You want to spend your time uh, reading, preparing for the next guest, becoming an absorbed in science, taking a class, uh, you know, it, it, writing, working on other projects, and then you're sitting there, oh, hey, everybody, subscribe and, and uh, comment in the thing, and I'll comment back, and that'll increase engagement and all the... But this is the world that we live in now, you know, and that stuff truly does help um, quite a bit. So if you see a value in any of it, uh, check uh, check out whatever platform you like this on. If, if you can give me a rating, if you can throw a comment or a like in there, that helps quite a bit. If you if you throw comments in YouTube, I'll, I'll try to answer some stuff. And... Um, and uh, check out this AMA with Pete and I. And once again, this uh, this podcast is now 100% supported by Patreon. Um, I I have uh, uh, I have um, uh, gotten so I think last week I I kind of ballparked it and said we are about halfway to having the podcast uh, paid for, just kind of like the editing expenses and stuff and. You guys stepped up big time, got a bunch of new Patreon supporters, and warmed my heart and helped me out, and uh, and we are now like three quarters of the way to having uh, to having the podcast paid for. It it doesn't take that that much, just bare bones, brass tacks, get it paid for. That's not that's without being able to like bring my assistant back on to work hours without uh, uh, me getting paid uh, you know it doesn't doesn't even count that stuff but just um, so I'm not actually going out of pocket every single time I make an episode um, and and I, I did I talked to some patreon people and a lot of people were like, well, we actually don't mind the ads that much and we can always just skip them and everything. And one, they don't pay as much as you'd think, especially that this, uh, you know, little podcast that, uh, you know, have a decent listenership, but it's a, it's a science podcast. I don't have celebrities and stuff on here. And, um, and, uh, it, and so, and people do need to buy the stuff for <laughs> for ad people to want to you know give you money to read the ads at the end of the day so it's certainly working on some people and uh, there's just a yeah i've tried it for a few years and there's a lot of back and forth and it just didn't it didn't make me feel right uh, about things, and I hated it, and I hate ads, and I'm happy to like find f- more fitting partnerships in the future. But that's just kind of not how it works. Working with like a podcast network and them kind of procuring your ads for you, yeah, you can say no to things, which I did constantly. 
but there's still like talking points you're supposed to have and i know you hear like the really big ones then they go off and say whatever they want to say and that's great for them when they're in that position uh to do that but it's it's harder when you're a smaller podcast then the network's annoyed because you're not sticking to your script as a whole you know it's just a whole thing and it's just so not worth it and would i rather like pedal some crap you don't need yeah you can hit fast forward and it's great you should hit fast forward through those dumb ads but I would so much rather one I get 100% of all the patrons not some sliver of a sliver of something from uh, ad reads and it's going to building a community it's going direct to me and I'm not even saying I'm just saying like for anyone supporting any uh, any artist just subscriptions in general uh you know so um i i know that there's ads on on youtube here because youtube won't you know the algorithms you don't um uh they won't send this out to anyone if they don't have skin in the game but on all of the devices that you're listening to um, there's not ads and I don't, and you won't hear me doing ad reads. So, um, uh, and that's thanks to Patreon. So whole long spiel. I hope that was interesting. Even just talking about the, uh, it's like, uh, that's the stupid, uh, um, just talking with Ramin on the new podcast about the artist versus businessman stuff. If you if you go to RaminNazer.com and see some of his new art that he's been doing about that. And uh, it's, it's, you know, it's it, sometimes hard to find the right balance, but um, but yeah, man, to build a, to build a community and to like zoom with cool people and interact with people and write people and hear perspectives and get like awesome, valuable advice for podcasts and stuff. It's just so much better than telling you to buy, like put on a face and tell you to buy some crap. You know, I, I, I hope I'm not being like, overly dramatic about this but it'd be one thing if it was like enough money to buy a house or something like that you know i'm not sure sure i'll i'll sacrifice the old integrity a little bit but when it's not enough money to get out of my parents basement anyway then just you know (laughs) it's not gonna cut it why why not why not actually just do more of the things that I like and less of the things that I don't like if at the end of the day, none of it's paying that much anyway. So that's been my pandemic approach. (laughs) And I think it's going to pay off big time in the future because I think that I am setting things up for myself and doing exciting projects and building a community and, and cool stuff that I care about. So that's what I'm vibing with guys. And, uh, and just thought I'd share some thoughts that came out of that. Thanks to anyone that joined Patreon and, and joined the group. It was nice getting to talk with some people. And, uh, those of you that listen all the way to the end, you are of course my favorites. <laughs>